and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that'll try to be nice to a movie, but may indeed have to slice and dice it. Each and every month there's a theme. As it's February, I thought I'd do Love Bites, aka Werewolf Movies. Tonight I'm looking at Stephen King's take on Werewolf Movies, Silver Bullet, based loosely on his book, The Cycle of the Werewolf. A Werewolf movie that I have never seen, although I have heard this is a fan favourite of a certain age, but it never actually interested me until this um, review series, so here we have it. And I am a huge-ass werewolf fan. I've seen dozens of werewolf movies, and I love werewolf movies. But I don't know around talking to us, because the trailer looks cheap, and this suit looks cheap, so I just ignored it. Starring Gary Busey, who never stuck to the script and I think was drunk on bloody well set, for crying out loud. And Corey Haim, pre the two Corys, and indeed pre the Lost Boys. A Dino De Laurentiis cheapie, made without a fucking werewolf suit, or indeed a finished script, with Stephen King doing the screenwriting. And a first time director in the chair. He was one and done, by the way. We also had a dancer in the suit, who was quickly fired because Dino didn't like him. And we have this thing, Stephen King's Silver Bullets. Here we go. With its $7 million budget, this thing pulled in $12 million. Starring Gary Busey, Corey Haim, Everett McGill, Megan Follows and Terry O'Quinn. Directed by Daniel Aquas- At- Atticus. What's his fucking name? The plot... It's 1976 in a small town as brutal killings are happening every full moon. A brother and sister combo think it's a werewolf, so team up with their drunk uncle to take it down. Who is it and how will it die? You find out here. After the logos, up pops the Dino names and indeed Stephen King names, so you know this is fucking quality. Then a full moon is shown. We get a voiceover explaining how, in the spring of 1976, the town's nightmares started. As we see a railroad worker, drunk out of his fucking mind, getting killed by a creature lurking from the woods. It rips off his head and... What in the fuck? We're three minutes in and we have the first killing, which looks like shit. As the wolf howls, the town go about their nightly business. Next day, at a town fair, the town go about its townly-like things. Thinking the dead drunk was an accident. Uh, really? You think this was a fucking accident? So, no one in town was going to check up if this was indeed a train accident. None of the drivers reported getting hitting a person on the rails. Nothing. This is just chalked up as a drunken, mistaken accident. Okay, then. <clears throat> The town sheriff is Hollower, played by Terry O'Quinn. He kicks off the proceedings and then hands over to a Reverend Lowe, played by Everett McGill. And note, he had to double as the werewolf as Dino fired the slim dancer because he hated his look. In the crowd is whiny 15-year-old Jane Croslaw, played by Megan Falls. She complains she has to look after her 11-year-old little brother, Marty, played by Corey Haim, pre-Lost Boys fame. He's in a wheelchair. Why? Who knows? From what I've heard, it's never actually explained in the book either. Shouldn't it have been put, the, the wolf put him in the chair or something? 
I mean, Orshan Hat, the wolf, had killed one of his parents. Mm, moving on. Anyway, you see him playing with a grass snake, which his best friend uses to play a trick on his sister. Wait, I have to talk about this fucking wheelchair. Oh my god, it runs on petrol. What the fuck? Plus it has motorbike handles? Who? What? How? Why? Oh my god, this movie's awful. She's pissed she trips over and rips her a hole in her stockings as the best friend Brody, played by Joe Wright, throws the fucking snake at her, causing Jane to fall in a puddle of mud and she runs off in fear. What a dickhead this guy is. Yet she blames her brother. What the fuck, love? He's the one that threw the fucking snake at you, know, your little brother. Oh my god. With that, she storms off, calling at Marty a booger. How very 80s is that? A booger. In the car ride home, their mother, Nan, played by Robin Graves, tries to smooth things over with the kids as her husband, Bob, played by Leon Russell, just rolls his eyes as Jane complains he's such a spoiled brat, yada yada, yakety schmackety, blah blah blah. Arriving home, the parents unpack the car and force Jane to help Marty out the back of the car, who is still pissy at him. Hello, love! It wasn't his fucking fault, but his dickhead of our best friend. So suck it up, buttercup, and get over a fucking thing. After all, Marty has apologised dozens of times. Just take the fucking apology, love. She helps him out of the car. Okay, why the fuck is the car, sort of the chair, not folded in the back of the car? It's completely upright. And is getting towed behind their pickup, their, their um, estate car rather. What the fuck? Can't this thing be folded because it's got a fucking engine? Why the fuck would it have an engine? Anyway, she gets a spare normal wheelchair from the side of a house. Hello love, bugs, fuck that. So he hops on in. Without asking about Uncle Red, so she tells him he's getting a divorce yet again. Plus he's back on the brute booze and is in the mother's doghouse. At night, Marty sneaks into Jane's room to leave money for her torn pantyhose or tights. With that, they make up. Siblings, who needs them? Later, a woman who we saw earlier fighting with her boyfriend over whose baby she is carrying tries to kill herself by taking pills. Wow, dark much! As she's chowing down the pills like M&M's, the world sneaks up the rose trellis and bursts her window and rips her to shreds. Her mother runs upstairs with a gun in hand only to find her daughter torn up like wrapping paper on Christmas morning. Next day, the sheriff tells his deputy the state police are sending someone over to investigate the murder. Kieran, as that night, in a local bar, a loudmouth twat, Andy Farrington, played by Bill Smith, Smith Orthwitching, I suppose his name, is talking bad about the sheriff trying to rally up folk to hunt down this man, madman. But the town folks have none of it. So there's a bar fight happens as the bar manager pulls out his peacemaker, which is a wooden baseball bat, and he shuts them all the fuck up. Next morning, we see Marty speeding around in his petrol-powered wheelchair. How the fuck is this thing safe? Is this how you put the chair in the first place for crying out loud? Moving the fuck on. After school, Marty rides his girlfriend, Tammy, played by Heather Simmons, home during which to discuss his uncle, as this is his third divorce, plus he is back on the drink. 
dragged past the house of the pregnant victim, finding cops crawling over it, boarding up the windows. Charming as that, you yeah. know. Riding Tammy home, she tells Marty she hears weird things coming from other rundown shed on their property. It scares her at night. Ooh, what can it be? Returning home, Marty runs out of gas, so he has to fill up at the gas station. Okay, how many times does this thing need fucking refill for crying out? How many miles does it get? He doesn't even have a fucking emergency refill little bottle there. Nope. I mean, who thought this was a good idea to give an 11-year-old a gas-powered fucking wheelchair? Jesus, jinkies. Anyway, that night, we see Marty listening to war stories from his Uncle Red, read that as drinking stories. By the way, Uncle Red is played by the Bugnuts Insane, Gary Boosie, who I swear to God is actually drinking real booze on fucking set. He never stuck to the bloody well script, and indeed, Stephen King let him ad-lib ad-lib wildly. Anyway, the mother isn't pleased with her brother teaching Marty to gamble and swear, so puts him to bed. She then chews out Red for drinking too much in front of him. Yeah, think, love, it's a whole bottle of wild turkey straight. What the f- <clears throat> Anyway, later that night at Tammy's house, her dad is watching NWA Wrestling on TV. Meanwhile, outside in the shed, the werewolf is tearing the place up. So he gets out drunk as a skunk with a single barrel shotgun to check out the noise. After checking out, the bust-up greenhouse, does the wolf drag him under the floorboards, killing him off-screen? Why the fuck would it drag him under the floorboards? Who cares? Moving the fuck on. As next day, in the local paper, his murder is reported as a madman on the loose. And notes, the newspaper says, Friday, September 8th, 1980. What the fuck, Dino? It's supposed to be 76, not fucking 1980. But who the fuck gives a shit? This is cheap, nasty and tacky. As on the radio... The radio tells the town folk the town is now in curfew. Curfew even. Town closes up shop as night falls. And I'm loving the fact that the loudmouth douchebag has hiked up his prices for shotguns. Way to capitalise on death, mate. Way to capitalise on fucking death. All the town is closed, but Marty, his best friend, and Jane are still out flying kites. What the fuck? Jane takes Marty away, who is in trouble for ignoring curfew. This leaves his best friend to be eaten. As back at the bar, the whole... So wait a minute here. The whole fucking town is closed, yet the bar is still opened? What the fuck? The local loudmouth is holding court yet again, talking shit on the sheriff. As in walks a Brody's dad looking for him. Cut to the sheriff carrying a blood-soaked kite, saying the Lord's Prayer to himself. Up pulls Brody's dad in the deputy's car. As he runs over to his dead body's son, who has been ripped to shreds as he screams to the sky. Or screams to the god, even. And half an hour in, it just hit me. This is fucking Jaws. By the way, check my archives. You barely see the monster. The town is in curfew. Nothing happens until a young boy dies, etc, etc. Really? You're going to rip off Jaws? Ugh. Anywho, next day at the town hall, the town bury Brody's a body of Reverend Low giving the sermon, talking about quote the face of the beast will always return to normal unquote, giving away the fact he's a fucking werewolf. Why is he killing these people? 
what the fuck did a drunk railroad worker, a drunk farmer, a young boy and an unwed girl deserve to die for? I mean, what? Oh dear God. After a service, Red takes Marty home in his sports car and here Marty pulls out of thin air. What if the killer is a werewolf? Where the fuck did this come from? Who the fuck knows? Nothing in this story states it's a werewolf, only a madman. Did King watch Miracle Wolf in London and take notes? I mean, it's the exact same fucking thing. Moving on back to the bar, as the loudmouth has rallied up a gun posse who go out to hunt the creature. The shit tries to break up the posse, but they don't listen to him and storm out after Brody's dad throws, shows a picture of Brody's torn to pieces body. What the fuck? Why would you have a picture of your son's body ripped to shreds? Oh my god. Outside up runs the reverend who tries to stop the baying mob, but it's no good. They have a bloodlust and hunt the creature. As the full moon rises, the hunt continues as now fog has rolled in. God, they really tried to hide everyone to hide this fucking suit, didn't they? Also, Jaws again. Hello. This is the same thing that happens as all the people go in the fucking boats to hunt down the shark and indeed to find the tiger shark, blaming it on the killings, but it's not. It's a great white. Except they don't pull out a bear from the fog. I mean, miss opportunity there, King. Anywho, in the fog, the wolf picks off the loudmouth group one at a time. In the group is the bar owner with his peacekeeper bat. Speaking of which, he's beaten to death with it by old Wolfie. And for fuck's sake, is this supposed to be scary and or funny? Because it ain't. This is just painfully fucking lame. Cut to the funerals of the group. Killed by the <coughs> good reverend. As indeed he holds a sermon. Psych! It's a nightmare! As the entire turn, sorry, town turned to werewolves in front of a shocked reverend. And my god, this werewolf transmission looks like shit. These cheap rubber masks look like crap. He wakes up screaming from his dream as he's about to get ripped apart. It's the 4th of July. Really? You're going to rip off Jaws that fucking much? I mean, but it has been cancelled. So. With Marty whining in the back of the car to drive him home as they all drive through the all but empty town. I mean, Marty whines, oh no, I wanted to have my firework display. Uh, there's been at least eight people killed for fuck's sake, you selfish little brat. Moving the fuck on. As back home, Uncle Red gives Marty a new souped up, uber powered fucking wheelchair, which looks like a fucking hot rod, I swear to fucking God. It's Silver Bullet Mark II, and it's pretty much a Howard Davidson trick. For fuck's sake, how the fuck does his parents let him ride this souped-up fucking Bugnuts insane creation around town? It is, of course, spray-painted silver because it's a silver bullet. Funny, huh? By the way, is Cody him actually driving around in this fucking death trap for crying out loud? Moving on. Off he speeds into the open roads at high speeds. He's pulling wheelies fucking dodging cars in the fucking road. Who wrote this shit? Returning home, Uncle Red tells him to be careful of the speed of it. Uh, did he put this little boy in motion in the first place? I mean, mm. after a barbecue, Red runs off to fuck some prostitute he hired. What the fuck? The town is all but dead. Curfew has kicked in hours ago, but he still finds a hoe to fuck. Oh, dear God. Before that ever, Red 
gives Marty fireworks, which he sets off later at night on a bridge, which of course attracts the wolf. Marty sees it coming, so hits an eye with a rocket before speeding off back home. He returns home where he calls Red at the motel, where he has the lady of the night. Red is pissed. Marty has called him to tell him all about the werewolf and hangs up. As next day, Marty awaits outside the house for Red's return. Here he tells Jane about the werewolf and how he attacked and indeed injured it. In the eye with the body rocket, that is. So out she goes on a can drive to find out who has an injured eye in the town. Surprise, surprise, it's the good reverend. As in the good reverend's garage in the cans, she finds the baseball bat from the bar owner. Why the fuck did he keep that? I mean, hello, incriminating evidence much. So she now knows he's a werewolf. As she runs back home, they both know he's a wolf, so the chase, or indeed the hunt, is on. She returns home to tell Marty everything. What to do next? Tell the parents? No. Tell the sheriff? Why? Nope. No, they blackmail the fucking reverend. Who in the fuck wrote this? Cut to a now eyepatch wearing a reverend who is now pissed and knows who to kill next full moon. Way to go there, Marty. Where to go? Days later, they tell Red, who uh, goes completely apeshit at both of them, saying they have no proof, and indeed, worlds don't exist. So with that, they go to the town hall to see the Reverend is painting some sort of thing on the church. What the fuck? Red doesn't believe a thing, as Marty tells him he shot him in the eye while he was in wolf form. Therefore, that's how he survived. Later... Marty watching a baseball game, jealous of the kids running around, of course. As behind him in his car, the good reverend is watching him with murderous intent in his one good eye. He follows Marty, trying to run him off the road. Luckily for Marty, Summerbolt Mark II is faster than the reverend's car. Unfortunately, he runs out of gas, so has to go off-road onto an unstable, unused bridge where Marty runs out of gas and he is indeed completely fucked. The Reverend finds him where he tells him why he killed all those he did as Marty begs for his life. Something about the woman would have tried to commit suicide and that would have sent her to hell so he had to save her by killing her. What about the rest of the fucking town folk? Hello. Anyway, luckily for Marty some random farmer comes out of nowhere to help him. How? He's in the middle of fucking nowhere on an abandoned bridge yet some fucking slack-jawed yokel helps him. Who the fuck wrote this shit? Anyway, with that, the Reverend runs for it. Marty gets home to tell Red everything, who doesn't believe him until he checks out the chair, finding a dent and indeed blue car paint belonging to the Reverend's car. As that night, Red reports it to the Sheriff, who doesn't believe him, however, agrees to check out the Reverend's house. So he heads to the church, as here the Sheriff finds uh, the bat, and indeed the Reverend changing into wolf form as he's beaten to death by the baseball bat. And dear God, that werewolf transmission looks like shit. A cheap rubber mask being pulled from behind, making it look like it's changing into a wolf. What the fuck? America werewolf in London, this ain't. Next day, Marty tells Red he'll be next. So they best get ready. So Marty and Jane hand over a silver cross and indeed a silver St. Christopher um, 
pendant. So Red can make a silver bullet. Red asked how the Reverend became a wolf with them saying they don't know. Maybe he doesn't know. Great writing there, King. Fucking great writing. That's a lazy ass fucking excuse how a Reverend became a fucking werewolf. He doesn't know. Maybe he's just born that way. Fuck off. Cut to Red making a soul silver bullet from the silver at a local gun store. As you do. It's Halloween! Well, that was quick. It went from July to, to October in two weeks. Wow. Anyway, things are all set for a showdown. Red sends the pirates away on a trip so he can look after the kids. How the fuck did he afford that? We don't see him working. He has all this money for prostitutes and hotel rooms and fancy-ass trips, etc, etc. Anyway, that night, old Wolfie attacks the house. Not very smart there, is he? Hmm. As he attacks the house, Red um, sees... Uh, sorry, no Red, or what's her name? Jane sees the werewolf outside the house. Red doesn't believe him, so he has to wait until the werewolf bursts in through the wall, lifting up Red and throwing him clean across the room. And note, when Gary Busey hit the... I don't know what it was, cabinet, display cabinet. It actually cut his arm and you can see the real cut on his arm. And moving on. Finally, we get a good look at this one-eyed teddy bear werewolf suit. And it looks like shit. Where the fuck did the money go, by the by? If King thought this would dethrone American werewolf in London, he was dead fucking wrong. This looks like shit. Anyway, Marty drops the bullet so... Sorry, Red drops the bullet, so Marty and Jane have to scramble to look for it as Red deals with the Reverend. As Red beats the ever-living fuck out of the werewolf with a fire poker. Marty finally gets the bullet and loads the gun and shoots out the other eye of the good Reverend. Wolf Reverend falls to the ground and turns slowly back into a human, dead. I've got to say, this detransformation is, isn't actually that bad, but too little too late. Red comforts the kids, Marty cracks a joke about not being able to feel his legs, as the two siblings make up as credits roll. So that was Silver Bullet, boring, dumb, slow and cheap. If King thought this was going to dethrone America with London, he was dead fucking wrong. This was too little, far too late. This was 85, the arse end of the werewolf fad. I mean, this should be brought out at least three years earlier, but nope, he brought it out in 80 fucking five. Dear God. The kids in this are okay, but this story is just so much blah, and nothing is explained. Like, for instance, how the fuck did the Reverend become the werewolf? Who cares? Who knows? Anyway, like I said, not a patch on American Werewolf, so I'm going to give this thing a very generous five out of ten. Still, come back next week as I look at The Company of Wolves, and then Ginger Snaps with a very special guest as I wrap up Love Bites. So, don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. Follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod and email me with suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other horror franchise podcasts of Underworld, Aliens, House, Resident Evil and more. Also my solo podcast of The Thing, The Stuff, Blade and many, many more. A bye. And remember, I watch these bad movies so I don't have to. I don't have to howl at the moon because this movie is fucking awful. <laughs>